Well, good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining us once again. It's hard to believe that it's May, but here we are. Finally, spring has arrived and uh, that means it's time for the gardens to be planted and for the fields to be seeded. And so uh, today we want to take just a little moment to acknowledge the seed that's going in the ground and ask the Lord's blessing on it. Right over here we have a little display of some of the seeds, the types of seeds that will be going into the ground uh, in the coming days and weeks ahead. Uh, the first jar is oats. In the second one, that's not bubblegum, that is canola, the blue stuff. The third one is wheat, and the fourth is corn. And, and uh, thanks to Barry Reimer who supplied those, and so we can tell this year that Barry is not growing any barley because we don't have a jar of barley. So, But thank you, Barry, for providing that and uh, the great visual of what we are asking the Lord to bless. Because, of course, we can put in the seed in the ground, but only God is the one who can make it germinate and grow. I also just want to take uh, a moment to acknowledge uh, what goes on behind the camera to make these services possible. If you're noticing that maybe the video is a little bit clearer this morning, uh, the audio is a little bit sharper, I want to thank Jeremy Greening and Ray Enns who are behind the camera making all of this possible and producing all of this. So a thank you uh, to you guys for making this happen. So now as we uh, prepare to bless the seed, I want to share with you just a couple of scriptures from God's word. Way back in the beginning in Genesis, God promised Noah following the flood. He said to him, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, it will never cease. The Bible also says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to your word. We thank you that your promises never fail. The word to Noah all those years ago is just as, as active, just as real for us today, thousands of years later, as when you first spoke the words that we are still enjoying springtime and harvest every single year because of your word and your faithfulness to it. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray that as the, as the seed goes in the ground, we ask that you would bless it. We pray that you would multiply it. And we pray that the farmers would have joy as they put it in the ground in hope and in faith that you indeed will cause it to germinate and to grow. And in the same way, Lord, we ask that you would bless the seed of your word as it goes forth, both today and around the world, from this pulpit and from many others. We pray that it would find good soil. We pray that it would find receptive hearts where it can take root, where it will grow, and where it will multiply into a harvest of righteousness. And we pray that this would be for the blessing and the salvation of many. And so we thank you for this promise of your word. And so, Lord, we ask again uh, for you to continue to work and intercede on behalf of our nation. We pray for Canada, Lord, that in these troubled times, would you guide us uh, as we proceed over in our national anthem. May God keep our land glorious and free. And that is still our heart's prayer, Lord, today. Would you keep our land? And most of all, would you turn our land back to you, Father, in, in repentance of our sins and in faith in your deliverer? none other than Jesus Christ. 
And so we ask, Lord, for mercy on our land, and we pray that we as your people uh, would continue to intercede on her behalf. We pray, Lord, for the ongoing um, issues facing uh, the world uh, from the pandemic, as well as, Lord, from the many uh, ripple effects of it, including economic repercussions. And we pray, Lord, that you would be our refuge in these times, and that we would look to you for our safety and for our provision. And so we ask that you would provide for all of us, Lord, and especially those who are struggling uh, in these difficult times. Lord, we also pray for Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, as there is the possibility, the, the real possibility, that there may be no camp this summer, and there would not be the opportunity to, to tell boys and girls about your love and your salvation for them. And so we simply ask, Lord, that you would intercede and that you would make a way possible for Turtle Mountain Bible Camp, as well as the, the dozens of other Bible camps around our province and across our nation to be able to go forward this summer. And so we ask, Lord, that this would not be for, for our own good, Lord, but for the good of those who would hear your word and be saved. And so we ask, Father, please undertake and give wisdom to the directors and to the many boards and volunteers who make this important ministry possible. And so we stand with them in prayer, Lord, and would you bless uh, that important work. And now, Lord, we thank you again uh, for this opportunity to gather as your people. Encourage us as we sit under your word today, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now as we receive the offering, obviously we cannot pass the basket, but if you would still like to give of your regular tithe or offering, uh, we have two ways that you can do that. You can put it in the mail and uh, send it to P.O. Box 969, Clarny, Manitoba, R0K1G0. Or you can simply drop it off in person here in the church foyer. There is an offering box located here for your convenience. So now I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 46, our scripture reading for today. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So far the reading of God's word. Would you bow with me once more? Father, we thank you for your word and for the incredible promises that we have just heard from within its pages. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in this time, would you speak through me, your servant. May the words be yours, and I pray that you would, again, open the ears, open the hearts to receive this as from you today for everyone who is listening. Would you multiply this word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Today's sermon I've entitled, Where Can I Find Refuge? I'll begin with the true story of the Curtis family from Mission, B.C., who had grown quite alarmed by the ongoing threat of nuclear war during the Cold War era between Soviet Russia and the NATO allies. So the father of the family, one William Curtis, undertook a serious study of all of the inhabited places on the globe. And his goal was to determine where in the world would be the one place least likely to be affected by war, a place of ultimate security and refuge for he and his family. And so he studied and he traveled and he traveled and he studied. And finally, he found the one place, an incredibly remote group of islands in the South Atlantic Ocean. And so in 1981, having found their place of ultimate security and refuge, they, they made plans, they sold everything, and they moved from Mission BC to Port Stanley. And that Christmas, they sent their pastor back in Mission BC a card from their safe new refuge in the Falkland Islands. Now, if you know anything about the Falkland Islands, you'll know what comes next. Because it was just a few months later, on April 2nd, 1982, that the military of Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands, claiming sovereignty over it. The British government, however, who had claimed the islands for their own, decided to contest Argentina's claim on the islands, and the result was the Falklands War. In fact, the most fierce and final battle of the entire conflict took place just a few miles away from the Curtis's farm, where there they huddled together even as jets and missiles streaked overhead and the sound of gunfire and explosions rattled their windows. And altogether, over a thousand soldiers and islanders died in that conflict. And it just goes to show that seeking a place of ultimate security and refuge in this world is an exercise in futility. So let me ask you today, as someone living in this dangerous and trouble-filled world, where do you look for your ultimate security? To whom or to what do you turn for your place of refuge? And this leads us right into the first truth from today's text in Psalm 46. And that first truth is this. Our security is in God, not in this world. Our security is found in God, not in this world. Here in Psalm 46, verse 1, the psalmist declares, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And so here, the, the psalmist makes this audacious claim that the only place, the one place where we can find true refuge, strength, and help is in God. We are to look to God. We are to run to God. We go to the creator and not the creation to find our security. And the fact is, of course, that this present world has very little to offer us in the way of true or lasting security. Yes, we as mankind have made incredible efforts and strides in our attempts to increase our security. 
And yes, uh, we do that in almost every sphere of life imaginable. You know, we, we attempt to increase it militarily, economically, scientifically, and legally. And yes, here in Canada, compared to much of the world, we're doing relatively well. And in many areas, you could say, you know, we've increased our security tenfold. We've extended our life expectancies to, to quite a number of years in comparison to, say, half a century ago. But despite some progress, we know that no man-made securities are ever guaranteed. Consider, can a military always protect its borders? Can a banker always keep your money safe? Can an investor always grow and protect your investment? Can a doctor always cure you? Can the police always protect you? Well, over and over and over again, history and recent history, recent events, tell us the answers are no, 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 and no. And the fact is that our world, even with all of its many advancements in education, technology, and science, is not significantly safer today than it was thousands of years ago. Quite simply, this world, and therefore our lives, are rife with insecurities and dangers. And I have not yet even mentioned natural disasters. Along that theme, the psalmist continues into verses 2 and 3. He says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, the fact is that every single year on planet Earth, there are floods, hailstorms, tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, fires, droughts, and plagues. In fact, going, I think, woefully unreported right now due to the overwhelming media focus on the coronavirus, right now there are massive plagues of locust, otherwise known as grasshoppers. These, these massive plagues of locust are spreading throughout East Africa and indeed even into Asia. And according to TheGuardian.com, just one of these giant swarms of locusts can be about a third of a square mile in size and when they descend, they will strip a field bare in just 30 minutes. And in just one day, they destroy the same amount of food in one day that would feed 35,000 people. And that's just one cloud of locusts. It's also being reported that trying to kill these swarms of locusts with pesticides is about as effective as trying to put out a forest fire with a squirt gun. It just doesn't work. There's too many of them. And so in the face of all of these things, I ask again, where do you look to for your ultimate security? And to whom or what do you turn for your place of refuge? Well, no matter who or what it is, if it is not the Lord God of heaven, I can tell you this, it will inevitably fail you. For in him, in God alone, we have the only true and lasting security. And so when pandemics break out, when the economy collapses, 
when governments fail, when wars break out, when terrorists attack, when natural disasters destroy crops and livelihoods, when our health deteriorates, or even when people turn against us. God is the one and only place that we can find true and lasting security. There is no security unless we have placed ourselves in the hand of the one who holds eternity. My friends, more than ever, we need to turn to God in this last age before Jesus returns. He is the only one who can hold us secure in these days. Psalm 20 verses 7 to 8 says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. You see, my friends, it is only in God and in him alone that we can stand firm no matter what comes. And in today's language, we could replace chariots and horses with, with tanks and fighter jets or, or governments and leaders, stock exchanges and, and, and technology, uh, science. We're going to solve all the world's problems with our own minds and ingenuity. Some people trust in all those things, but just as the chariots and the horses will let you down and that we will be brought to our knees and fall, all of these things will do the same. But those who trust in the name of the Lord our God, those are the ones who will rise up and stand firm. See, my friends, God is waiting to hear us call to him for help. He's waiting for us. And if we call, God will hear. He will respond. And he says he will help us in our time of trouble. That is God's promise to us. And this is so important. When you are secure in God, you don't need the security of other things. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't lock our doors at night or put on our seatbelts or buy insurance. God still wants us to use the brain that he's put in our heads. He wants us to live wisely. However, even as we seek to live wisely, we recognize that our ultimate and security and refuge does not come from those things. It comes from God alone. And so now the second truth that we need to have planted deeply in our lives is this. God's indwelling presence gives us confidence. God's indwelling presence gives us confidence. Verses 4 to 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Now, the city of God referred to here is, of course, Jerusalem. And the holy place referred to here is the inner sanctuary of the temple where the Ark of the Covenant rested. And it was there that God's Shekinah glory, his manifest presence, would dwell. And so the beginning line of verse 6 then adds this. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. Now, what these verses are referring to is a time in which Jerusalem was under siege by an enemy force. Many scholars believe that that specific event which inspired Psalm 46 was the siege of Jerusalem during the reign 
of King Hezekiah by the forces of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, which we can read about in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. Now, up until Sennacherib's siege of Jerusalem, he had an undefeated record. He had piled up victory after victory for years. City after city and kingdom after kingdom had fallen before his mighty armies. And so here, undefeated, he comes up against Jerusalem. And now Hezekiah and the, and the people of Jerusalem are staring into the face of an undefeated enemy with an army of 185,000 soldiers. And in the face of that, the psalmist confidently declared of Jerusalem in verse 5, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. And then later in verse 7, he again states, the Lord Almighty is with us. And so where did this confidence come from? It was not from their big stone walls. It was not from their strong gates. It was not from their warriors or from their weapons. The psalmist's confidence came from God's indwelling presence. He says, God is within her. She will not fall. Now today is the New Testament church this truth remains exactly the same, just in a different form. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 tells us, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? And so now, as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are God's temple. And so we become, within us, the most holy of holies, for that is where the Spirit of God dwells. Isn't that incredible? God no longer dwells in the temple in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. He dwells, he resides, he lives within us, each of us, his children. And so to all my fellow Christians listening out there today, if God is really and truly living within you, what do you have left to fear? What is causing you to have anxiety? That's causing you to quake? That's causing you to shake? That's causing you to lose sleep at night? What is there? God is in you, my friends. You can have confidence to face even the strongest enemies. And returning now to Jerusalem and to King Hezekiah, their confidence was not misplaced. For verses 5 and 6 indicate both the when and the how God came through for them. It says, God will help her at break of day. That's the when. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. Here's the how. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. And so now we jump over to 2 Kings chapter 19. And there in verse 34, we read what God said of Jerusalem under siege by Sennacherib. God says, I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then verses 35 to 36 tells us the when and the how of this incident. Verse 35, that night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. Now, 
you might well say that at the break of day, God simply lifted his voice and the Assyrian army melted away. You see, our confidence does not come from our own strength or from the absence of trouble. Our confidence comes from the indwelling presence of God himself. God is within us. We cannot fall. And so may our confidence not be shaken because we have a God who is in complete control. And may we take courage, not because we are strong, but because we have a God who is strong within us. God has not changed. And so if he lives in you through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, if he is in you by the power, indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, then you can rest assured that his love will see you through, that you will stand firm. As the Apostle Paul wrote, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And now we move on to this third truth that we need to have planted deeply in our hearts and in our lives from this text, and it is this. Our ultimate security is not in this life, but in eternity. Our ultimate security is not in this life, but in eternity. Verse 11, it concludes with the refrain, The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Our refuge is not in this earthly kingdom, but in the kingdom of heaven. So if you are looking only at this present age, at this present earthly kingdom, yes, you will be shaken because it is shaking. It's the nature of this broken world. But if your life is grounded in eternity, in the kingdom of heaven, the one that will stand unshaken, eternal forever, then you too will stand firm, unshaken, and eternal forever. Because we are hidden in Christ and we were made for eternity with him. As Christians, our lives have this incredible eternal dimension. And we know that nothing that happens here can harm or change the things that matter to us most. Our relationship with God, our home in heaven, the presence of our loved ones and friends who have known Christ and live for him, even if we depart from them for, short, for a short while in this life, we will be with them in the kingdom to come forever. And nothing can change that. Nothing can, nothing and no one can take that away from us. As Jesus said to his disciples, he said these things shortly before his departure. He was leaving them and they were troubled, but he said to them in the Gospel of John, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And again in the Gospel of John, he said, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now I'll be perfectly honest with you. These past two months have not been easy. In fact, it's been a hard time. It's been a challenging time for almost all of us. But as many of you know, 
my wife, she does beautiful hand lettering artwork. And so a while ago, without any prompting from me, she made this sign that hangs on our bedroom wall, and it's right over here. Now, this sign has stared at me for a number of months before the, the past two months have come along, probably since before Christmas. And I'd always enjoyed it, but it never really jumped out at me until this whole new situation came to pass. And so every morning when I wake up and every night before I go to bed, I read these words from my all-time favorite hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And loaded in that simple line is a world of meaning for me. Because just reading that, it reminds me of all of the truths of the gospel. That because my sins are forgiven, my soul is saved. And so I can be at peace no matter what comes. And so no matter how hard that day was, before I go to bed and I read that sign, I'm reminded that it is well with my soul. Because nothing, no events of today or tomorrow or any day can change that single fact that because of Jesus and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, it is well with my soul. Now many of you will know the story behind that powerful hymn, and it is one that bears retelling. Horatio G. Spafford was born in North Troy, New York on October 20th, 1828. As a young lawyer, Spafford established a very successful legal practice in Chicago. Despite his financial success, he always maintained a keen interest in Christian activities, and he enjoyed a close and active relationship with the great evangelist D.L. Moody. Spafford was described as a man of unusual intelligence and refinement, deeply spiritual and a devoted student of the scriptures. Horatio Spafford also was known to have a very close intimate relationship with God. But things started to happen to him when he was 43 years old. On October 9th of 1871, the Great Chicago Fire started, which, according to legend, a Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over a lantern in a barn to start the fire. And some 16 hours later, three and a half square miles of Chicago were burned to the ground. Spafford's holdings were wiped out entirely by this disaster. And the Spaffords had a consistent history of acting on their faith. And so after the Chicago fire, they devoted countless hours to helping the survivors, even though they themselves had lost nearly everything. And in November of 1873, Horatio Spafford planned a trip to Europe to hear D.L. Moody preach at one of his revivals. And so as winter began to chill their Chicago home, Horatio, his wife Anna, and their four young daughters, 11-year-old Annie, 9-year-old Maggie, 7-year-old Bessie, and 2-year-old Tanita, they began to anticipate their sea voyage. When the time for the trip drew close, Spafford's business encountered some difficulties that required him to remain at home. Determined not to deprive his family of this anticipated trip, he kissed his wife and daughters goodbye and promised to join them as soon as possible. And so the Spafford women boarded the French steamer, and they began their transatlantic journey. However, off the coast of Newfoundland, tragedy struck. On November 22nd, 
the ship collided with an English ship, ripping a gaping hole in their ship's hull. The ship immediately plunged to the bottom of the frigid sea within 12 minutes. And in those moments before the ship sank, Anna Spafford gathered her four young girls to her side and prayed with them, holding their youngest, Tanita, in her arms. And as the icy waters of the North Atlantic swept over the deck, the three older children disappeared. Eventually, even the baby that she clung to in her arms was washed from her grasp. And Anna herself was only able to cling to a piece of wreckage. And alone and near death, hypothermic herself, she barely survived and was finally spotted from a lifeboat and plucked from the sea. She was among the only 47 who survived. 226 others lost their lives, including her four daughters. It was 10 days before the survivors of the shipwreck landed safely in Cardiff, Wales. From there, Anna Spafford sent a telegram to her anxious husband, who had heard of the disaster. It was only two heartbreaking words on the telegram. Saved alone. Boarding the next available ship out of New York, Horatio sailed for Cardiff, Wales, where he would be reunited with his grieving wife. However, in the mid-Atlantic Ocean, the ship's captain called Spafford to the bridge and said, To the best of my calculations, Mr. Spafford, this is where the tragedy occurred, and your four little daughters were drowned. Horatio G. Spafford stood on the bridge contemplating and grieving the loss of his girls. What depth of pain and grief must have flooded his father's heart in those moments. And he stood there on the bridge for quite some time, and finally he went down to his cabin, where the Holy Spirit ministered incredibly to his heart. And in that ministry, inspiration sparked, and he, he picked up a pen, and he began to write. And these are the words that almost all of us have sung so many times before. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Spafford's close friend, evangelist D.L. Moody, was waiting for them in Edinburgh, Scotland. And he came to join the grieving couple. And he later reported that though they were heartbroken and experiencing deep sorrow, the Spaffords never lost their abiding faith in God. And friends can be a comfort and an encouragement during those difficult circumstances. And so too for this grieving couple, they found comfort in their friend's words of assurance and for the father who was looking forward now to the day that he would be reunited with his four beautiful daughters, these words are especially powerful. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. And for him, the hope of being reunited 
with the Lord and with his beloved children because of the Lord, gave him peace and courage and strength to keep on living in faith. And so their hearts were comforted and strengthened by the truth of the coming resurrection. And truly, our refuge is not in this earthly kingdom, but in the kingdom of heaven. And so, in conclusion, remember our security is in God, not in this world. God's indwelling presence gives us confidence. And finally, our ultimate security is not in this life, but in eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our refuge. You alone are our refuge and our strength and our ever-present help in times of trouble. Thank you that no matter what we face, no matter how strong the enemy seems, we can face it with confidence because you dwell within us. And so we will be found standing firm in you. And thank you, finally, most of all, that our security, our ultimate security, is not grounded in this earthly kingdom, but it is firmly established in the kingdom of heaven that will soon be revealed. I pray, Lord, that these ultimate truths would be things that we would anchor and build our lives upon, and that, Lord, in these days, would we stand firm and would we act with faith and with confidence, knowing that you are in us and you are for us. Thank you that you have guaranteed us victory. And so we bless your name and we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you. Go in peace and have a very good week ahead.